All right, good morning, everyone. Thursday morning, November 5. It's been a while that we, uh, we've we been with you guys. Uh, I, I've been on the road a little bit, and, um, you know, I just wanted to mention, I know, Brett, uh, Wiz, you've lost a good friend here, so uh, I want to send my condolences, and uh, we'll dedicate this episode to, to, to your buddy, uh, Berman. How are you doing yeah, today? Yeah. yeah, hanging in there. Uh, difficult... Uh difficult when you lose a friend but uh yeah we'll uh this you know the show goes on and uh he loves sports so we'll uh talk about some sports and uh i guess we'll do a recap of uh week eight afc and nfc maybe we'll just uh go over some thoughts and some teams and uh i don't know you uh did you want to start in the afc did you have any uh yeah you know i i I think the big the the big theme that i kind of want to touch on and and we kind of got on this train about three weeks ago, I want to say, with the rookie running backs. We, we've mentioned three of them um, and, and, and have all started to kind of rise, uh, although last week it took a little bit of a backstop, and that was DeAndre Swift. But J.K. Dobbins, uh, if you're a J.K. Dobbins owner, uh, you had to be very impressed with what you saw there. Mark Ingram's still dealing with that injury, but he took the lead in that backfield in terms of snaps. And I, I think where we're seeing another distinct sea change is in Buffalo, where you know, I don't think Singletary was getting the job done around the goal line. Zach Moss is probably a more dynamic running back just overall, and we start to see his presence be, be felt in a more significant way. And I, and I guess what my point is that, you know, these rookies didn't really have that, you know, the same level of uh, play that they normally would have or rep- repetitions that they would have in, in a regular season. And now they're starting to get their action. And I think from here on in, there's a number of players who are going to start to put themselves, you know, in, in a big time spotlight on, on the fantasy stage. Uh, you know, I mentioned those three names. You, you can mention anybody else that you think is going to kind of enter that category. But do you think I'm on the right path? Do you think we could, we're going to continue this kind of, you know, migration away from, you know, some of the veteran players now and, and some of the rookie he's getting their opportunities here. Yeah, I think especially with Dobbins, I think um, he just brings a different, you know, dynamic than either of the other two players, Edwards or uh, Ingram. He's just more of a dynamic running back, and he he, he just has the ability to, you know, th- those guys can make plays, and, and, and they're tough runners. But J.K. Dobbins is, you know, he can make – some big plays, some long touchdown runs, and uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna show that. And uh, the, the one thing that really stands out to me about the AFC in general is what Pittsburgh has been able to do the last two weeks. I mean, they went into Tennessee and Baltimore back to back weeks and and got two road wins, uh, holding on against the Titans, and then coming from behind to beat the Ravens and. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I felt before the season started that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not. You know, this is something that can be checked. You know, I'm not saying this is going into week nine. Is that I felt Lamar Jackson was kind of undervalued going into last season and kind of overvalued coming into this season where he was ranked as quarterback one overall, and I didn't agree with that. And. Um, He's having his he he's struggling. I mean, he's just having his troubles, you know, in the pocket, and he, he just I don't know he, he he I don't know if he hasn't recovered from that playoff loss against the Titans or whatever, but he you know he just 
he just doesn't have that mojo, I guess, that he had last year. And uh, there is a lot more film on the player. But, uh, you know, a little concerned about Lamar and very impressive feat by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, we both were kind of on the Pittsburgh Steeler train. Not that we thought they'd be 7-0 at this point in time. Um, and they're doing it in different ways. And they have lost some key players uh, along the way. Devin Bush in particular on the, on the defensive side. You know, Roethlisberger has hung in there and made big plays. Connor's been very consistent in terms of his performance. You know, on Lamar Jackson, you started to get some noise last week from Marquise Brown saying, what am I doing here, basically, because I'm not being utilized in the passing game. Uh, they managed to get one ball long to, to Duvernay last week, but and he also dropped one. But, yeah, I think there's some frustration there. I, I remember having a, a big argument with uh, my partner, Jimmy O, uh, in, in one of my drafts, in a snake draft. We're debating whether to take Patrick Mahomes and, or Lamar Jackson. Um Thankfully, I won that in taking Patrick Mahomes. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. He, he just—I don't know—he doesn't—he doesn't look right to me. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting storylines going on. Baltimore obviously is still one of the top teams in the AFC, but Pittsburgh Steelers have uh, have done the job here. A competent quarterback this time around. You know, it, actually, it's funny the defense is actually taking a little bit of a step back this year, you know, compared to last year, where the defense really carried them. So, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you there. Um, let me ask you this, Wiz. Um, Tua Tagovailoa making his debut last week. You know, you and I were were pretty kind of inquisitive and curious and didn't understand the, the timing of it all. You know, Miami got by with their defense and their special teams last week. Tua looked a bit rusty, in my opinion. Uh, I'm, I'm less of a Tua fan than you are, I think, overall. And I think... That, uh, you know, the decision to kind of go with Tua at this point in time didn't make a lot of sense to me, especially the team was responding very well uh, offensively under Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, and it con- look, it concerns me big time. If I own a Miami Dolphins skill player right now, I don't know how confident I can be in what I saw last week. And again, it's one game. This will be a very interesting test for him going to Arizona, where I think the Miami Dolphins are going to have to score points this week uh, because last week the, the uh, Ram offense was, uh, is, was its inept self once again. Um, but what's your thoughts there? Are you, are, are you, are you, if you, if you own Devonte Parker, if you own my, well, Gaskin's hurt right now, but I, I have Mike Kosicki. I mean, he's a non-entity at the moment. I had this guy as a top 10 tight end right now, and I'm more worried now with, with Tua, Tua as quarterback. Uh, so how, how are you thinking about that? If you own Miami Dolphins skill players, and is it too soon to kind of rush the thought process on Tua? Yeah, I, I think, I think it's an overreaction. Uh, Look, you know, Aaron Donald wrecks a lot of games, and the, the kind of the game script was interesting where the Dolphins' defense just was incredible in that game and made a lot of plays, special teams and defense, and the offense didn't have to do so much. But I, I think it'll, it'll be okay. What's more concerning, Dolphins, is what has gone on with their – like Gaskin out of nowhere, injured reserve, Breeder unlikely to play. So it kind of looks like they're down to Laird, to Howard. I mean, so with no running game or no real threat of a running game, that's more of a concern with me. You don't really want to have to just put this guy where he's got to drop back and throw – but as far as the you know the Devonte Parkers and the Gaseckis, I think I think they'll be okay. I think he'll he'll have he'll have some good games. Like any other rookie, there'll be some ups and downs. He'll be inconsistent, but he he will put up um, some good games. You know, look, the Dolphins are kind of married to the switch already right now. I mean, 
I think they're, it would be difficult for them to go back. So I think they're going to try and hope it works out. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. But, um, yeah, I think I think I think you know the, he'll he'll be okay, and some of their skill players, the two I mentioned, I think will be alright as well. You know, and I feel we've we've watched the Buffalo Bills the last few weeks, so there was so much excitement early on in the season. Josh Allen, MVP candidate, all this kind of talk, and you know, both of us did not like this player coming into the season. And boy, oh boy, the last few weeks, you know. A player that carried everybody for for the first few weeks has been been nothing short of a disappointment. So you know, and I think Miami actually can still contest it and can win this division. That defense is playing really well. But Josh Allen, I mean, is it, did we see the best of Josh Allen this year? Is that it? Now the weather's going to get a little colder, so the challenge is playing in Buffalo. You get that more more so this time of the year. As we talked about, you know, we think Zach Moss is going to be doing a little bit more in the running game here, but. How nervous are you if you were kind of riding that uh, Josh Allen wave to start the year? Yeah, I mean, I think I think he was is not as good as the stats showed the first couple of weeks, and not necessarily as bad, uh, you know where he you know where where he is where he's been lately. But you got to remember, I mean. Well, you know, if you look at the Bills' start of the season, they came out of the box and they put up like 30 against the Jets and the Dolphins. Um, and, you know, another another high-scoring game after that against the, the Rams. Um, and they put up 30 against the Raiders. Uh, so, so they, they, you know, they were playing some of these teams, I guess, that, you know, don't put up necessarily a great fight on defense. And then, you know, when they played more competent teams, if you will, they got walloped by the, by the Titans and they got walloped by the, by the chiefs. Um, so I think he's somewhere in between. He never, I thought in my mind was going to be elite, but I don't think he's, he's as bad as he's been to some of these games. So it'll be like everything else. His passes are inaccurate and wild. And I think some of his stat lines are going to be inaccurate and wild and tough to predict uh, when you're going to get the great Josh Allen and when you're going to get the bad Josh Allen. Yeah. uh, You know, it's, it's, this is, you know, just to be clear, this has been, and we haven't really gotten into the throes of COVID yet, though we're getting some impact this week, but this has been one of the craziest seasons that I've seen in terms of fantasy in a long time. When I look at the amount of injuries that we had with some of the top running backs and some of these players who have kind of, gravitated to the top of the performance list week in and week out. It, it's been a wild fantasy year. I, I want to go to Jacksonville now, you know, and we, you and I both had high hopes for um, Gardner Minshew and some of these offensive players. And it came out that Minshew actually broke his thumb. And, you know, in, in, in kind of a surprise, we're going to get a, a rookie quarterback, you know, a six round draft pick in, in, in Josh Luton, who's going to be starting for the the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. Now, I, I was watching some of the game last week uh, or two weeks ago because they were off last week where DJ Shark was kind of looking back at, at Gardner Minshew saying, you know, what kind of throw was that? And you started to hear some rumblings about the offensive play. Do you think that we can get a little bit more consistency in this offense because this team has just kind of fallen apart since that first week one win? Uh, and obviously Minshew was playing hurt. You know, what's your view on Luton here and what, what it can mean for players like Shark and obviously James Robinson who's had a tremendous start to the season? I think for Shark, it is only one place to go and that's up. 
you know, it's ironic because the reason why I liked and was very high on DJ Shark this year was his connection with Minshew. I mean, Minshew was in there last year. His numbers were fantastic. You know, average when he wasn't in there. So that was part of the reason, but it just wasn't, hasn't worked out with Minshew and Shark this year. So if you have Shark, there's only one place to go but up. Uh, so you're hoping it's, you know, um, you're hoping that um, there'll be an improvement with uh, with the new quarterback. As far as Robinson goes, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm a little concerned about it. Anytime you get a you know a young quarterback in there, and I don't know, it kind of affects the running back situation. Uh, so I'm I'm a little concerned with Robinson, but I have a little bit more optimism for Shark. Yeah, I think that's legit because you know you could see a more you know they're going to force. Luton into into throwing some passes and probably sticking a few more players in the box against him and, and, and challenging him to kind of beat them. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, on rookie quarterbacks, you know, we've certainly seen just tremendous play week in and week out out of both uh, out of both uh, Burrow and uh, Herbert, who's just been tremendous. Unfortunately, Herbert's team has had. Uh, like the Atlanta Falcons, have lost some tremendous leads over the last few weeks and lost some heartbreaking games. But I think you got to be unbelievably confident at this point in time, you know, week in and week out, to start both of those players. They're playing phenomenally well, as consistent as any quarterback as there is right now in, in, in fantasy circles. Uh, do you agree with that? You know, do you keep riding these players if, if you have them? No fear throwing them out there is what I think. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean they kind of surrounded both those young players with a lot of a lot of good skill players. Uh, love the running backs for the Chargers, all of them, and you know all of them could take little swing passes and and do damage. And Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and you know you got I think have to be optimistic what you've seen from Cincinnati. Not only because of Joe Burrow, but it seems like him and T Higgins are gonna go on this long NFL journey with the Bengals together and uh, both starting out as So optimistic for certain. I mean, in my view, clearly more optimistic to be about the Cincinnati Bengals than the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. You know, a player that that you liked uh, coming into the season and had been playing pretty well. We got kind of a strange week last week in Indianapolis. First of all, Phillip Rivers is starting to play a little bit better, and, and that's with basically T.Y. Hilton being on the back of a milk carton. Um, and he, he probably should stay on the back of a milk carton because when he, even when he was in there playing healthy, he, he was awful. Uh, so we'll see what happens with, with that offense this week. Um, but Jonathan Taylor, who, who, who a lot of people, especially against a juicy matchup against the Lions, and I guess he nicked himself up during the game. You had Wilkins and, and Naheem Hines who did the damage this week. There are probably going to be a few owners that panic on Jonathan Taylor this week. I would think that would be too premature to do that, especially with this elite offensive line. But maybe this is the week to knock on a door for someone that owns Jonathan Taylor uh, who may be a little bit, uh, you know, squeamish about what just transpired and trading for a player like that. Do you agree with that view, or are you kind of more? I mean, I know how high you are in the player, and I and and I thought he played particularly well early in the season. And you know, look, maybe he's hit a little bit of a rookie wall, uh, nicked up a little bit in the last game. I don't think it's time to panic on the player. In fact, like I said, if there was an owner that was looking to move him, now might be the time to do it. Do you agree with that? I can see. I can see the point of that. I, I, I don't know. I, it's been unusual what Frank Reich has done with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, it's like he just hasn't 
I don't know if trust is the right word. He just hasn't given him the keys to the kingdom and said, go here. You know, we're going to give you 25 carries this game, see what you can do. I mean, any time, any game this year where he has had double-digit carries, his yards per carry is good. Uh, he's had good yardage. He's He's been a tough runner. He's super, you know, he's, he's elusive. He moves the pile. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about Jordan, uh, Jonathan Taylor, but, man, I don't know what took place, but it looks like they had like this game plan to set up a place for, for Wilkins and uh, he played terrific so I I like Taylor I really think he's going to be a good player I'm confident in that I just don't know on a game to game basis what to make of uh, the Colts are doing in the backfield along with a handful of other teams uh, to guess what they're going to do in the backfield because it just seems like week to week it changes without much rhyme or reason either all right, you know, let's let's talk about a few other players and, and, and a few other situations. So, Denver Broncos, um, is it time to just lean on Philip Lindsay more there? You know, we both thought that that Lindsay was the more valuable running back there as opposed to Melvin Gordon. We didn't understand the trade. It seems like whenever Lindsay is able to get in there, and and he has gotten nicked up a few times, but. Gordon has looked extremely ineffective where Lindsay has kind of made big plays whenever he's out there. Uh, do you think the team will start to lean on Lindsay more as, as we move into the end of the season here? Here's the good news and the bad news for owners of Philip Lindsay. The good news is it's clear. It's clear that he has distinguished himself as the better running back the harder running back, the more elusive running back. He gets on the field and he makes things happen, and Melvin Gordon either gets two yards of carry or fumbles the ball. That's the good news. The bad news is the last person on the face of the earth who seems to understand that is Vic Fangio. So I don't know. I, I, I mean, I couldn't endorse Philip Lindsay because I think the coach doesn't know what he's really doing. So... Um, I have Philip Lindsay. I made a trade to get Philip Lindsay. I mean, I just don't like Melvin Gordon. I didn't like him coming to the year. Nothing I've seen has changed that. But as long as the head coach seems to not be aware of what you need to do on offense, um, you still could be in a very, very frustrating timeshare. And 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 that's that that's difficult when you know you have the better player and he's still getting equal or less carries than the player that he's outperforming. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's right. And, yeah, I, I actually, you know, they, they played a pretty good offensive game this past week. They pulled out that game, they, they, winning that game 31-30 um, on, on Sunday. Drew Locke with a couple of big plays. I, we, we love the offensive talent here, um, and I thought that was one of the better games that this offense had. And, and let's face it, this is a team that's been impacted by injuries on both sides of the ball all year long. So I'm, I'm kind of – Curious to see how they finish out, but I'd like to see them doing it with Lindsey getting more action. But I agree, the coach is, uh, the coach is a factor here um, for sure. One place where the coach is not a factor and giving his lead dog, lead running back the ball. Uh, I know that there was lousy weather last week. We're not going to have to worry about that this weekend. But it was pretty encouraging to see uh, Jacobs get the ball 31 times in that ball game. Uh, you know, the Raiders are a weird team offensively, though. I, I don't know. They've got to find a way to, to get more dynamism, I think, and consistency 
out of that passing game. I don't think this week was the week to do it, you know, given the, the weather that they were dealing with. But I want to kind of see how this progresses as we move into the season. Um, this will be a big test for them. You know, the, the Raiders have had some great games this year, and they've had a couple of duds. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see the Raiders play, play the Chargers this weekend. And I'd like to see more from their passing game and keep leaning on a guy like Jacobs. You know, if you're a Jacobs owner, him touching the ball 25, 30 times is certainly a wonderful thing. Hey, uh, I don't know. I, I I know John Gruden is considered to be this offensive mastermind, but you know, I watch him run his offense, and like, I I don't understand what on earth he's doing. Like the the the, the, the you know, it's like the sum doesn't equal the parts. Uh, and I think like Hunter Renfro. Let's start with him. He's got a chance to be a really dynamic slot player. He understood. He played with an NFL quarterback in college in Deshaun Watson. He understands how to get open, where to get open, how to play in the slot. I don't understand his lack of playing time. I don't like that they've done with Henry Ruggs where they're not utilizing the player. Like, you have a player like that, you've got to throw him three or four bubble screens a game. You've got to use him as a decoy. You've got to take some shots throwing in the ball. I, I, I just don't like the targets he is for him. I don't like the way they use Renfro. It seems like he's a specialty player. I think he's better than that. Uh, I mean, they can really put out a dynamic lineup with Jacobs and Henry Ruggs and Renfro and, and Darren Wall, who's a top three tight end in the National Football League. And I know they were high on, they were high on Edwards and, and Nelson Aguilar has played well. I just, I just don't know. I just don't like the usage. And uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like Gruden gets stubborn about things and he, 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 he doesn't know how to pivot. Uh, and I think, and I think sometimes that's, um, that's just a, a, you know, an act of stubbornness on his part. And, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but man, the Raiders have these dynamic players all over the field on offense. And, uh, they really should be putting up 30, 35 points a game with that offense. Yeah, I don't think it's Carr holding them back, actually. I think Carr has played well this year. I just, I, you know, some games I watch and I just wonder, player usage is what I wonder about. I wonder about player play calls, as you mentioned. I just, it doesn't look right to me. Uh, they've, in, in a few games, they've looked really terrific, particularly that Chief game. That offense played fantastic. But it was a game where the offense had to put up points. But why the hell are they not playing like that week in and week out? You may, Challenge teams to beat you. you. You brought these weapons on. On for that reason, utilize them. So I'm with you. Yeah, it's just I, I frustrating. He's, he's more interested, like, um, in in getting a lot of guys, a lot of different personnel in there, than than doing what you know is best suited for his best players. He's just interested in like this tricky personnel. It goes back to like that West Coast offense and like the influence of some of these coaches and and and, and he you know that he. He coached with and under, and I just think the game has evolved a little bit. And uh, I just don't like the idea of Hunter Renfro being used as like a specialty player. He's a good, good slot player. And I'll tell you something else about the Raiders. I know when people think offensive line, they think about Colts and Steelers, and you know. But the Raiders' offensive line takes a backseat to nobody. Nobody in the National Football League do they take a bad seat to. They're 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 on a, on a level with just about any offensive line in football. So 
I'm just kind of disappointed in, in, in the personal, you know, the, the usage and, uh, and, and the play calling from what I've seen from the Raiders. I, I think they can be better and they should be better. All right. Very good. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on uh, anybody else in the AFC? Any players, any situations, uh, uh, any, anything further to add? Uh, otherwise, we'll move on to the NFC. Yeah, no, we could, uh, we could, uh, we can move on to the uh, NFC. I think we, we covered just about all of it. All right, so I, I guess uh, you know after Monday night's game, where uh, maybe Tampa Bay was looking at that uh, New Orleans Saint matchup uh, this coming Sunday night, uh, and maybe they look past the Giants a little bit, but. Uh, that's probably the most interesting game of the week. Uh, I know they played in the first week of the season. Tom Brady didn't look like his normal self getting settled in. And let's face it, the Buccaneers have been dealing with a lot of injuries themselves, the, the receiving core. But this week, it gets very interesting. <laughs> Antonio Brown it will be on the field this week. Chris Godwin's going to be back this week. Uh, so I'm going to get right to it. Uh, New Orleans-Tampa Bay. It looks like New Orleans is going to be getting Mike Thomas back. Um in your eyes, is this the week of the game? Uh, sorry, the game of the week. And what do you think we're going to see here? Is this going to be one of those offensive explosion games? It's down in uh, Tampa Bay this time around. Um, I, I think Tampa Bay has played really well. Gronk has shocked me. He's become very fantasy relevant, uh, a very consistent tight end for sure. It looks like Fournette is 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 going to be a willing uh, willing participant uh, in, on a weekly basis when he's in there. And there's a lot of mouths to feed in Tampa Bay, uh, certainly. But this is a big game. Uh, how do you see this game playing out? And in, and in, are we going to see Mike Thomas show up? This is week nine. Guys picked this guy in the first five picks of most snake drafts. They spent the most money on him of any receiver. Is Mike Thomas going to bounce back this week? Well, I guess the first thing is stepping on the field. Um which hopefully he'll, he'll do. I mean, but look, uh, going back to week one, if people remember the game, and I, I certainly remember the game, Mike Thomas played in that game, and Tampa's defense completely stifled the Saints. I know the Saints ended up you know, winning the game comfortably, but that was pick sixes against Brady's, fumbles by the Tampa Bay Bucks, terrible special team plays. Their offense put up a nothing burger against that Tampa Bay defense. I mean, Alvin Kamara, I think, did you know, didn't even average two yards a carry in that game. He may have been like eleven carries. There, the Tampa Bay defense completely stifled. This is a different Tampa Bay team in Week Nine than they played in Week One. So, I will say this: if the Saints do not move the ball in a, in a much better and easier fashion than they did in Week One, they're going to lose this game because uh, Tampa Bay's offense is a lot better. They seem to have like a pretty good one-two punch going with Fournette and Jones at running back, and, and Gronk is a different player. And uh, and um, you know, I think I think Tampa Bay has got it going on, and uh, they probably were like kind of looking past the Giants a little bit. But you got to give the Giants the credit; they played a good game. But if 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 the Saints' offense does not play better, let's put it like this: if the Saints play a game similar to they played the Bears last week they are going to get blown out of the arena. Um, so they're going to have to play a lot better to compete with Tampa Bay, I think, at Tampa Bay in this game. Stay in that division. Um, 
That was a good game on Thursday night. Uh, I know Teddy Bridgewater left the game, uh, injured in that game. Mike Davis has been overall a very capable backup. The Christian McCaffrey returns. Um, you know, Atlanta got a win, uh, you know, a, a good win, I thought. And I think, uh, you know, even though they lost Calvin Ridley, um, you know, I think this is a team that's going to be still competitive into the end of the year. Um, but Carolina now with McCaffrey back, you know, do you do you get more confidence in what this team could do? Because this team looked like had a potential to be a playoff team. Uh, they've stumbled a little bit here, a couple of games in a row. You know, are you looking for? You know, how do you think McCaffrey will get used? At, at, at you know, right out of the injury, uh, will they take take it a little bit easy on him? What's kind of your view of what's going to happen there? Yeah, I think it will be all systems go. You know, when I watched Mike Davis play the last couple of weeks, you know, it reminded me of it reminded me like of a hundred yard sprinter that they said, okay, you know, you just won the gold medal for 100 yards, and now we need you to run in the mile. Um, and he just looks like he's out of gas the last couple of weeks. He, you know, he's a good player, and he was definitely more dynamic. So, you know, in that role, spotting McCaffrey here and there, I think will be better suited for him. He was running out of gas. And, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be full systems, go from McCaffrey. I mean, uh, if he's healthy to play, it's going to be a full workload. That's how I envision it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're kind of like figuring out how to get Curtis Samuel involved more. He's like one of these guys um, that can run the ball. You know, he's, he gets to run short passes. He's, he's become like a third-down specialist. But, you know, he doesn't play as much as I'd like to see him play. He's a, he's a good player, but it seems like, you know, he's – Definitely the third guy behind um, DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson, which, you know, they're, they're, they're two good players. But I think when McCaffrey back, it makes them more of a dynamic team. And uh, and Teddy Bridgewater loves throwing that short little pass. And uh, I think McCaffrey's going to catch uh, a lot of them. Yeah, so speaking of dynamic running backs, there's a player that you and I have been looking at uh, for a number of weeks now, and he's going to get his opportunity, and I'm, I'm very curious to see how the offense operates with him basically playing a, a full-time role. So um, the Arizona Cardinals were off last week. They come off of a big win and a bye week. They beat Seattle a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it's Chase Edmonds' time for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, and, and they're going to be squaring off against the Dolphins. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Chase, Chase Edmonds does in a full-time role. How do you think this kind of affects the offense? Because he is got he's got a little bit different dimension about him, a little bit different burst, certainly in the passing game. Obviously, Arizona, like I said, their offense, you know, Murray's clicking, this offense is clicking. Uh, uh, you know, do you think this is a potential change where if Edmonds plays well enough that, you know, you will see more of an even split maybe going forward when, when Drake does return from his injury? I think if you really watched, you know, Arizona this year, it's pretty, pretty easy just to watch if you have a decent football eye, that Chase Edmonds has been a better player than Kenyon Drake this year. He's been livelier. Uh, he's been more dynamic. Uh, certainly a lot better in the passing game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I kind of think Chase Edmonds is going to get this opportunity, and if he can stay healthy, he's going to be at least uh, split and probably will get, the you know, the 60-40 split of a, of a timeshare. But 
I'll tell you, I think Chase Edmonds is not the interesting story with the Drake injury. I think it's Eno Benjamin, um, the rookie that they took from the state of Arizona, who is a tough runner. He's a different type of runner than both Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. And I'm interested to see him. And I'm not saying that he's going to be to um, – to Edmonds, what Edmonds was to Kenyon Drake, by, by no means am I saying that, but I am saying he's going to get in there, and he's a different type of runner, and he brings this toughness. Um, he's kind of like Zach Moss, um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how much action he gets in and what he does with his opportunity, but I'm thinking that he's the guy to keep your eye on because I, I think, you know, Chase Edmonds is a, is a terrific player, and I think he's going to get his stuff. The interesting thing, I think, will be to watch Eno Benjamin, how much playing time he gets, if potentially bring him in at the goal line. He's a tough, tough runner. He's a, a pile mover like a Jonathan Taylor, like a Zach Moss, and um, I'm interested to watch see him get on the field. All right, that's a good one. Uh, let's stay in this division. Um, at this point in time, it looks like the only way Russell Wilson won't win the league MVP uh, is if an injury occurs, and I'm not wishing that on him, believe me. Um I think one thing that, I, that I'm watching here, and, and we know DK Metcalf coming off of a monster performance, but I, I'm going to point one thing out. Uh, I, I saw a little blurb on this um, uh, this past week, and I'm you know last week this was oh, sorry last year this was an injury that kind of uh, stayed with Greg Olson the whole year, but it, it looks like he has a foot problem again. So. You know, if this turns into a situation where he he's actually injured, he's going to miss some time. I would keep an eye on Will Disley, who snuck on the field a little bit. I, I'm not like I said. This is this is if Greg Olson is ruled out for a couple of weeks and that foot is becoming an issue. But Will Disley had some huge games for Seattle Seahawks before he went down with that uh, Achilles injury. I'm just going to point out if you see Greg Olson out for a few weeks, that is a player I would keep my eye on because the Seattle Seahawks are going to just be throwing the ball the rest of the year. You know, this week, uh, last week they went at it with DJ Dallas, who certainly helped a, a couple of fantasy players out there with a, with a couple of touchdowns. Uh, you know, with nobody else out there with with injuries to Carson and Carlos Hyde and Travis Homer banged up. But I'm just going to say if if. Greg Olson misses time. I would keep my eye on Will Disley. That's uh, that's my little kind of sleeper out there. If this is a persistent injury for Greg Olson, you love Will Disley. I do. You, you just love that player. He's like a <laughs> like a pet a pet of yours. You just, you just love that player. I'll be honest with you. I think the Seahawks could sign Mike Dicker off the street, and he could play with Russell Wilson and catch four. <laughs> There's nothing out there or nobody out there that would surprise me. If they got on the field enough with Russell Wilson, he is just a he's just a great player. He is just a great player that um really makes um the players on the field with him better and uh it seems like he's got this really special relationship with DK Metcalf and he wants to be the Joe Montana and he thinks that DJ Metcalf, DK Metcalf could be the Jerry Rice and uh after watching some of these games, uh, you know, by no means would I put people in the class of the great Joe Montana and the equally great Jerry Rice. But, uh, man, that's a dynamic duo that seems unstoppable right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think this was interesting, and he certainly played well uh, last year. So if that nagging foot injury uh, starts acting up with Olsen, uh, I, think, uh, I think you're on to something. 
All right, so we're not going to talk about the uh, the the Packers and and the and the Niners in this one because we're going to do our next podcast is going to be on the Thursday night game. But uh, I actually want to go to that uh, North Division and uh, a very interesting setup for your Minnesota Vikings. And speaking of uh, uh, explosive and dominating, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook with a monster game last week. The Minnesota Vikings said in that cold weather, we aren't going to let Kirk Cousins throw the ball too much. He only threw the ball 16 times in that ball game. Dalvin Cook went bananas. And now they're going into Detroit. And, you know, look, the, Dolph- the, the we thought Minnesota would have a decent season this year. I had them winning the division. Um, the Detroit Lions have a very interesting setup for this week in that their quarterback, Matthew Stafford, is on a COVID list, and he's got to test negative the rest of the week in order to play on that game on Sunday. Kenny Galladay is out. The Vikings are coming in. They they put away Green Bay in Green Bay. Have the Minnesota Vikings turned the corner here, and is this kind of like a new setup for where – Earlier in the year, they were relying on kind of these long plays to Jefferson and to Thielen, uh, who were both top 10 fantasy receivers. But now you start leaning on Dalvin Cook. We know they have a very capable backup in Madison. But this is a big game in that division. Uh, Minnesota, like I said, can make a little bit of noise here. We were writing them off. Uh, It was that too premature. Can they make a run? I know this defense isn't that good. Can they make a run here into, into the second half of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the stars are lining right for the Vikings in this one. I mean, I think if, if Matt Stafford doesn't play, the Vikings will probably win the game. If Matt Stafford does play, uh, it really could go either way because even without Galladay, um, Stafford could throw the ball all over the field uh, against them. But the one good thing, you know, is, is Cook back. And, you know, that's what Minnesota really wants to do. They want to pound, ground and pound you and make plays off the play action deep down the field to feel in a Jefferson. So I think having Cook back is, uh, is is a good thing as far as their defense goes. Yeah, they played, you know, they played, they played pretty well in that game. Uh, they kind of, you know, did a lot of bending, but did a little breaking in that game against the Packers. So um, it, it's not really a fair fight without Stafford, but with Stafford, I think it's an interesting game. I don't know if you have a view. We'll certainly get to that on the weekend with the games that we uh, – like from a betting perspective, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you feel bad, you know, with the Matt Stafford thing, and you kind of hope that he he's able to play. But uh, if not, the Vikings have a, have a tremendous edge in that game. And let's look at the team that's uh, in that same division. That's kind of it's been a strange year for the Chicago Bears. We know they have a good defense. Quarterback play has still not been good. Uh, they're starting to get a little bit more out of Montgomery. I still question the overall play calling here. Uh, they do have a, a, a one player here who's starting to come on as a receiver, and I think they got to use him right in in in, in uh, Daryl Mooney, the rookie. You know, are the Bears a playoff team or not, Wiz? That, that's I, I guess you know from a fantasy perspective. You know, I think Montgomery is, is safe. You know, I think Mooney's probably hanging out, uh, out there on a lot of free agent wires. Uh, we picked them up in one league last night. We're going to roll them out there. I, I don't know. I just think this offense should be doing a lot more than it is. Um, is is the, are the Bears for real or not? You know, they gave they gave New Orleans a good run last week, but I don't know. Sometimes I just I question the play calling. I know you're not also. I think Nick Foles has looked terrible at times too. But I see the play calling here to me is just so inconsistent. I, what's your take on the Bears? They're one of these teams that they're, all, they're just mismanaged 
every step on the way from the play calling to the coaching decisions to the general manager's picks. Like, who who pays Jimmy Graham that money and then takes Cole Kmet with with their with their first pick and they draft where they only have a handful of picks? It's like completely mismanaged. I hate Anthony Miller is a good player. I hate the way they use him, uh, and the quarterback play has been horrendous no matter who's been there it's just a different type of horrendous it's whether you're getting the Trubisky who could make plays with his legs and is going to make some of the worst throws you've ever seen or you get you know Nick Foles who looks like he's moving in cement and is a is a better thrower of the ball but hasn't been connecting on some of these plays that could have been big plays in the offense I mean, I don't know. The more I watch, they miss the element of three Cohen in there, like being able to throw little screen passes to him and making some big plays in the passing game. Montgomery has looked better. It looks like he's seeing the field better, which usually happens in second-year players, but he still looks like he's slow and sluggish. He looks like Devin Singletary out there. I mean, he just looks like another guy. Um, so... Uh, to answer your question, I, I they may make the playoffs, but they're not a playoff team, if you know what I mean. Like they may make the playoffs, but when you watch the Chicago Bears play, you're hard pressed to say, yeah, that's a playoff team. They, they they're just not good. <laughs> no, it's a struggle. I, I I I like I said, I don't like the play calling, but I think to your point, uh, no matter who's been out there at quarterback, you you have not gotten the play. And and it's not to say that this team does not have offensive weapons. Robinson, who made an unbelievable catch last week. Uh, as you mentioned, we, you know Miller, I don't think used properly at all. And Mooney is adding another dimension. It's just, I don't, they should be more dynamic offensive, offensively. And, you know, unfortunately they didn't pick Patrick Mahomes and instead they took Mitch Trubisky. And that's why they're uh, in this little pickle that they're in right now. Um, well, speaking of playoffs, there does have to be a playoff team that comes out of the NFC East. Um, so, I don't think it's going to be the Dallas Cowboys. I think if you are the Dallas Cowboys this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and if you own Dallas Cowboys skill players, I think just is going to be a very difficult task, uh, certainly for sure until uh, Andy Dalton gets back because he's currently out with COVID. But we haven't seen the Redskins in a couple of weeks. Um, I think this team has a chance to win this division still, as I think you do as well. Philadelphia has definitely been pulling off miracle after miracle. They've been undermanned. They've been injured. They get a chance to get healthier this week. They'll get Miles Sanders back one extra week of recuperating for, for Dallas Goddard. So I think things will turn up. But to me, this division is between Philadelphia and Washington. Washington plays against the very competitive New York Giants this week. Somehow the Giants probably will find a way to lose. I'm excited to see how how Washington comes out of this out of the break. Um, I think Antonio Gibson is a player that is taking off as before our eyes. He's getting the ball more. And I think this offense will get better as the season goes on. So this is a two-team match, I think, in the NFC East now between Philly and Washington. Um, not to say that Philly hasn't done some great things because Travis Fulgham has come on as a player as well. A, a great story there. Uh, how do you see this shaking out? I know the Redskins, like, I'm sorry, the Washington football team didn't play last week, but I'm actually excited to see what they do. I actually think they're going to rough up the Giants in, in this ball game. 
just because of that front seven will get after Daniel Jones, and it'll be a little bit of a struggle with that young offensive line. You know, what's your take on this division? I know we haven't really talked glowingly about it, but I don't know. I think Washington has got something that they're going to kind of come off this break and kind of make a statement this week. I'd like to see what you think about that. Yes, I mean, when you look at the division, the Eagles may win that division because they have Carson Wentz. And when you look at the division, the Eagles may lose that division because they have Carson Wentz. And he makes some of the most athletic, determined, tough plays around, and he makes some of the most callous, idiotic plays around. So you watch, uh, you know, you, you could just watch both Carson Wentz's in the same game where he's making these plays that are like, wow, nobody else in the league could pull and make. And then you watch him take a sack and a fumble and you say, wow, nobody's as stupid in the league to make a play like that. So I like I liked Washington. Um, I like the Washington football team. I know the Eagles are starting to get players back on defense a little bit, so I think their defense will be maybe a little bit better than what they've shown earlier. But I just like the, the you know the starting point of that of that Washington football defense. And man, I I, I really like Travis Fulgham, but. Terry McLaurin is just one of these guys. He is so skilled and so smooth. And uh, if he was playing with, like, an Aaron Rodgers or, you know, one of these Pat Mahomes lookout, he'd be an unstoppable force. And you can even see that even with, you know, Kyle, the Kyle Allens and the Dwayne Haskins of the world. So I, I love that player. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Someone said to me, "Pick, I, you know, I'm I'm probably going to go with the, with the Washington football team, and I, you know, I don't root for injuries at all, but I, I, certainly not. You don't want to see an injury happen. But when you watch Carson Wentz play, it's almost like 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 if a betting proposition was made, you'd almost put in less than fifty fifty that he's going to make it through the season." based on one of these hits that he takes because he's he's trying to make the greatest play almost on every single third down. So that's that's my concern with him. But uh, to your point, yeah, I think, you know, the Cowboys basically finito. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott looks like, you know, he doesn't want to be there. I don't know what's happened. I don't, I've never seen a guy so many years into the league all of a sudden not be able to hold on to the ball. It's a, it's really, uh, it's, it's really sad. But I guess for a lot of people, they're very happy to see the demise of the Dallas Cowboys and to come to this. But man, Jerry Jones should be sprinting over to Dak Prescott's house and giving him all the kind of whatever money he wants because it's a, it's a different team. Their offense is just a different team with Dak Prescott in there. So, um, yeah, I think to answer your question, probably the Washington Football Team. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And like I said, I don't really have confidence starting any Dallas skill players right now. I'm you know, in a few leagues where I'm dealing with a couple of narrower rosters, I drop CD Lamb. Not not an indicate. It's they're not keeper leagues. This is no uh, no statement on CD Lamb's talent. I just you know I couldn't afford to kind of deal with the situations in in leagues that I need wins in where. I don't think the player can produce at that level because of, you know, what's going on at the quarterback position. You know, it's so funny how, how, how quickly things can change. You know, if you look back, 
weeks like, you know, the first week, the second week, the third week, the fourth week of the season, when you have your defense and, you, you know, you have your, your fantasy defense and you look at the next week's schedule, for the first four weeks of the season, the only thing you'd be thinking is, please, 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 don't be playing the Cowboys, don't be playing the Cowboys, don't be playing the Cowboys. Now it's, please, 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 please be playing the Cowboys, please be playing the Cowboys, because I've been taunted by a few opponents that I'm playing in fantasy football that have the Steelers defense, and they're telling me, you know, they're going to put up 500 points in the Steelers <laughs> defense this week, and you look at it, and you're like cringing and thinking, oh, dear, that's like something you have to do. You have to try and pick up and stream defenses that could potentially be playing the Cowboys down the road, and uh, to think about an offense that was – you know, putting up 500 yards of offense every single week. Now to this, it just goes to show you in fantasy football, things can change on a dime. Oh, you're exactly right because, you know, you and I do, you know, you look at playoff matchups, right? And you, you were avoiding the Dallas Cowboys like COVID. I mean, you know, you would, didn't want anything to do with that offense. And, uh, yeah, it's just crazy as it turns out. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for the Cowboys – Things have gone in a very negative way. So, uh, yeah, that's all I really have to talk about in the NFC. Is there any any other points that you uh, actually wanted to make on any teams, any players, um, or uh, can we wrap this up here? I think yeah, I think we covered uh, all the divisions and uh, interesting games and the players, and uh, we'll, we'll certainly get into the fantasy aspect and individual players of the weekend games. Uh, you know, when uh, tomorrow or on Saturday. So, yeah, I think that's a wrap. And then uh, we're going to do another podcast where we're just talking about the game tonight, right? That is correct. So, again, to remind everybody, Guru and Wiz, Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, sorry we were away for a couple of days, but uh, you'll probably get annoyed at us because we're going to be around uh, coming at you with a bunch of different things over the next uh, couple of days. So, Wiz, talk to you in a little bit about the Green Bay Packer San Francisco 49er game. Uh, Otherwise, everybody, have a great afternoon. Got it.